Hola, amiga. I believe the only way to create a life of your dreams is by taking massive action that makes shit happen. Basically, amiga, handle your shit. Yes, I said that. Handle your shit. Stop playing small and start breaking down cultural limitations, gain back your feminine power, and become the unapologetic and unstoppable Latina you were destined to be. This show is meant to inspire, motivate, and awaken your soul's potential. You will learn from business professionals, successful entrepreneurs, and creatives that will teach you mental corrections, insider tips, success strategies, and of course, a dose of personal development. I am your host, Jackie Tapia, lawyer, transformational life coach, and entrepreneur. I am also a wife and mom to a little badass Latina. I'm obsessed with changing the Latina's mindset and breaking down cultural barriers so that you can live your best life and step into your true power and start living a life of abundance in all ways and always. Join me for inspiring conversations with thought leaders and learn how to handle your shit. ¿Estás lista? Vámonos. Hello, 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 amigas, and welcome to Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. So we're now in the month of December, and um, the year is about to end. Wow, where did it go is my question. I feel like I was asleep the entire year. Uh, so many things, so many things. And so since we're in the holidays and it's the season to giving, I think, is that what they call it? Tis the season to be giving. And I know that many of you are already focused on other things. And I wanted to give you a flashback, you know, from the vault, from powerful woman and, um, these two beautiful souls were part of my podcast early on in the year 2020. I mean, it's been a while now, and I am so grateful that this podcast has landed on the hearts of many amigas across the globe and continue to hear and listen to these episodes. And I'm so grateful for all of you. And I really, really wanted to highlight these two beautiful souls that said yes to me on getting on the podcast. And we're going to go back to episode 13 from The Corporate Queen. And this is Josie, one of my good friends who works for, oh my God, a big international company. I don't want to disclose it now because she's going to be on the podcast and, and you're going to hear more of her story. And then also Nora on episode nine, self-love support systems and staplers. So there's an insight in regards to, to the staplers. So make sure you hang on tight, listen to these episodes. These are flashback from the vault from the year 2020 when I started. So you're going to notice like, oh my God, the way I was interviewing was a bit different, although kind of the same. But now I guess after the years, I'm a lot more confident. And so I'm going to see how, what do you guys think? Let me know. Definitely give me a review. You can always DM me on Instagram or you can send me a private message or on Facebook. 
And you also can reach me at JackieTapia.com, which is my website. And I do answer, so let me know. And also, I just want to, you know, lightly remind you that in the following year, March 24th, we have the Empowered Amiga movement once again. And I'm excited for that day because it's on International Women's Month. And we get to talk to these amazing souls and give you an amazing, amazing day of empowerment, of uplifting spirituality, and a lot of love. Okay, amigas, so make sure you sign up for the Empowered Amiga movement. And without further ado, these are my beautiful souls, my friends, Josie and Nora. Amigas, The one thing that stands out to me after interviewing so many amazing people on my podcast is that you don't need to be born with a silver spoon. Absolutely not in order to go to places in life. But a hero's journey is never an easy one. And it's only through hard work and developing a badass never say die attitude that we can rise and become our best selves. How these ladies rose up from humble backgrounds and developed the ability to strive beyond what they were told the limits were is something that every amiga can take to heart and use as inspiration on her own journey. I always go back to, that's where my thick skin really started developing. I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter. These people don't get me anyways. And you know, they're, I'm different. So that's okay. So I started, I mean, my sister says this, you know, I really have had a lot of self-confidence as a young girl. Mm -hmm. However, you know, there's valleys. So unfortunately, you know, my dad became an alcoholic. He was not an alcoholic. He became an alcoholic. Work events turned into socializing, turned into, you know, just, I don't even know how, because I was so young, how it actually got out of control, but it did. So one day he just uh, up and left the country and left us and left us with a huge mortgage left us with a mother who did not speak English. You know, her English was so limited. And I remember that I was about 15 years old when my mom handed me the phone and said, get on the phone, talk to this bank, and you need to... Basically, I was negotiating an exit strategy for her to lose her home because she couldn't afford it anymore. She had two and three jobs. You know, my mom had... There's three of us. You know, I was the oldest. And she didn't speak English. So I remember, and I'll never forget this, and this is really where my drive for housing comes, where I want every single person in America to be able to have the opportunity to own a home, is when I was, you know, translating for my mom and speaking to the bank and letting them know I'm only 15 years old, but if you explain to me what's happening, I'm going to, you know, translate it for my mom. And I remember that, you know, the bank was like, do you have anyone else we can talk to? Adult, you know, someone, adult, right? I was like, no, yeah. I was like, no, I'm the only English speaker in this home. You know, I mean, my brother and sister, but they were so much younger. And, but I remember that night, you know, speaking to my mom and telling her, I never, ever want 
anyone to go through this, especially, you know, a teenager who doesn't, I knew nothing about finance. I knew nothing about homes. I knew nothing about mortgages, but I learned very quickly what it was about. At the age so, of wow, this is incredible. Pain. Incredible. So incredible. So I remember, you know, the bank was telling us certain things, but I was like, no, we're not going to be able to, you know, we're not able to leave this quick. So I was, I was in the middle of a negotiation for my mom and, you know, with the bank. And I didn't realize that that's what I was doing, but I was negotiating on behalf of my family. So fast forward, you know, when people would ask me, what do you want to do when you grow up? I used to say, I want to help people get into homes. I want to help people, you know, retain their homes. What does it entail? So fast forward, how about this? I started my mortgage career as a receptionist. Yeah, at 19. I think I was 19. I was just a receptionist. That was it. And, you know, I remember, you know, they put me on this phone and it was called the dialer back then. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, I remember the boss said, she gave me like a week. She's like, if you can master this phone, like you've got this job. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to break into the mortgage industry. I want to get in. I want to make it happen. So I remember this thing had 50 lines and I was like, I'm at oh, 19. Oh my God. Jackie. Wow. I knew, first of all, let's make this clear who I was. You guys, my mom kept me sheltered y media mensa, you know what I mean? Like yeah, to life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew nothing about nothing. I was so, you guys, I was very mature because, of course, life made me mature. Yeah. I had a job at 14. I started helping my mom, you know, with rent, helping for my brother and my sister, just everything, basically. So I was very mature, but I knew nothing about life let alone, I knew nothing about being a career woman, how to poise myself, how to carry myself, you know, how to kind of set myself apart so that maybe I can be considered for promotions. Nothing, for sure, nothing. So, you know, I went home, manual, honey, I learned it backwards and forwards. That's how bad I wanted in on the mortgage industry. And then I remember the time that I said, oh my God, this is for me, is when, you know, like they say, con dinero baila el perro. <laughs> I, so, yeah, the let's, paychecks let's got delivered. Let's translate that in English because I'm sure there are yes. out there that are not bilingual, which is okay. I, My daughter, I wish she knew Spanish the way <laughs> I did at her age, but that's okay. You know, there's time to learn a language, but please translate. There's the same. Yeah, there's a Latino, a Mexican saying, a Latino saying in our cultures, and it's like, hey, the dog dances with the money, right? Wave that (laughs) money and we will dance. Well, guess what? It was payroll time. And I was assigned to hand out the paychecks. And I remember I was like, I, I, you know, for a two week period, someone was actually getting paid 17,000 back then in the 90s. I was like, what is this? Is it his yearly paycheck? Like I couldn't fathom right right how, like how does someone make nineteen thousand dollars just like yes I was like no what no wait okay and then I remember I asked well what position does this person have and at the time he was a of course a loan officer you know doing mortgage loans and I remember I said okay 
that's where I'm headed. And people looked at me like, what? You know, no way. Like, no, you're just, you're a receptionist. Well, Jackie, long story short, I was a receptionist for one month, got promoted from there. But after, yeah, one month, I got a big promotion. I became, I remember an assistant processor, but you know what? Let me tell you that entry and that story keeps me so grounded. I have a stapler that I have carried to every office, to every big, you know, company that I've gone to. And it was the same stapler that I had as a receptionist. Ah. And I used to look at that stapler Mm. and I was like, you know where you come from. You know how you started? You remember that book, that big, ugly book? You didn't even understand half of those words. That's where you come from. And that always kept me grounded. You know, no ego, no nothing. But along my journey, you know, through having these high level positions, you know, at big banks, I knew that I wanted more every time. Let me tell you, my resume, you know, has opened the doors for so many positions and specifically my position now, you know, not too long ago, I'm going to share something. Imagine from that receptionist girl, I was on a plane. I traveled the country, of course, I was on a plane and I was jumping on a flight, you know, just my regular job. Cause that's what I do. I travel the country and I opened up the window. It was early in the morning. I'm dressed, you know, with my suit and I'm ready to present to some politicians up in San Francisco. And I opened okay, so up when the window. This? When was this? When was this? When did it this? was actually February of this year, right nice. before COVID. Oh my goodness. Okay. Oh my God. I, I mean, know. Wow. It's incredible. And I remember I opened up that window and I looked out and the first thing I told myself, it was just one of those days that you have these aha moments, these epiphanies. Yes. And I looked out that window and I remembered that stapler and I remembered I was 19 years old and I was just a receptionist. And here, you know, I had a presentation for two major politicians making decisions on housing in my home state of California. Mm-hmm. And it was so impactful and I was going to land and I was going to nail that presentation and I was going to make it happen. And they kept emailing me saying how excited they were. They were so honored that I was going to come and speak to them and the statistics I was going to share. And for a quick moment, as I lifted up that window on that plane, I was like, wow, how far have I come in 22 years? Wow. Now, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, can I tell you, I text my mom and dad while I was on that plane and I just like, I was practically crying. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, and they were like, you work so hard. You know, I'm going to call myself a full blown workaholic. You are. I'm going to say it. Yes, you are. So a little bit about my family, as you mentioned, first generation Mexican-American born, you know, here in Southern California in Hollywood, as a matter of fact, both my parents are from a a small town in in Jalisco, Mexico, Jalosotitlan. It's about an hour and a half outside of Guadalajara, the beautiful city of Guadalajara. You know, education did play like the notion of education played a huge role for me from the moment I can remember just thinking about things as a child. My father came here when he was 17 years old. You know, he came here after seeing what his older brothers were doing in terms of, you know, work and getting ahead financially and just wanted all that for himself. And so 
my father is one of my the biggest heroes in my life because what he and my mother did i stop and think about it a lot and i think oh my god at 17 years old to leave the country the only country you've ever known yeah not know how you're going to make it ahead but just knowing wholeheartedly having that faith that you're going to you know do something better for yourself and your family is what carries you so i would say that that's one big, my father's a big influence on me in that respect, because since I was a kid and my mother too, you know, what I kept hearing was, we don't know how you're going to do it, but you're going to get an education. You're going to go to college. You're going to go to a great college. We will figure it out. So I grew up with that notion firmly in my head. Mm-hmm. Quite honestly, you know, the, the only slight drawback as, as you can imagine is you don't think of any other option. That was the only option for me. It was just sort of the natural path, which I'm very thankful for, right? So that's the, the sort of household I grew up with. My father didn't look at it in terms of gender lines. He used to say the same thing for all five of us. I'm the oldest of five children. And, you know, he said it to all of us. So, you know, luckily for me, you know, you know, there's the notion it takes a village as well, right? I you know, I, I look at kind of, you know, sort of my background and my childhood and even into my teens and early, you know, adulthood as I had a village surrounding me and that was helping me move ahead and giving, you know, there were people in my entire life that were supporting me and giving me opportunities and helping me understand the path ahead. So that one of the next people that came along was a gentleman by the name of Jack Wright, who was my high school college advisor. You know, I went to Franklin High School up near Pasadena, Northeast LA, wonderful magnet program. You know, Jack Wright had a very strong sort of college advisory program where he basically took the top students in our high school, mind you, mostly minority, Latinos, Asian American, right? Amazing. Amazing. That is awesome. So, you know, he guided us every step of the way where my father, my mom and dad couldn't coach me, you know, Jack Wright filled the gaps. And so, you know, my aspirations growing up was, uh, you know, either, okay, and I hope I don't offend the USC people out there, UCLA. (laughs) (laughs) I graduated from USC, so (laughs) God knows I have a, a, a ton of really close USC friends and it's, it's become, you know, kind of our fun thing. USC Stanford rivalries. Why not? Uh, <laughs> you know, I so remember the weekenders. I mean, I haven't done a weekend oh God. over to Stanford and USC in like years, but I yeah. mean, those are like so memorable. I love them. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Firmly ingrained in my mind. So, you know, he basically was apply to whatever college you are interested in. I think you should throw some Ivy Leagues in there. Why not? And I remember that was the first time in my life where I thought, oh, I don't know, you know, this doesn't, maybe he doesn't know who I am, really, this doesn't feel right. So anyway, make a long story short, that's where that happened. And literally, it still wasn't like, okay, everything fell into place. And I know where I knew where I was going in my life. I still had a lot of reservations. And I kept feeling like, oh, my God, someone's going to discover that I do not belong here. The one thing we don't always realize is that our humble backgrounds and challenges we encounter along the way are actually growth opportunities. The more we encounter adversity, the more opportunities we are presented to grow. If you want to get your shit together, you need to keep your chin up high and your back straight like these heroic amigas did. So I was really intimate because I think at the time I was an analyst. You know, when I started school, and so I kept thinking, oh, my God, everyone's going to figure out that I don't belong in this cohort. Oh, the imposter syndrome. 
imposter syndrome creeping up again, for sure. But you know what sort of, obviously that changed over time, but I remember a big turning point was about maybe two years into the program where, you know, obviously I kept working through it and muddling through and building relationships with everybody that I knew, men and women, and it just became easier over time. But I remember working with a project team one weekend where, you know, we were coming together during the last phases of a project and we were going to discuss, you know, progress on the section that everybody had been assigned. And so there were two of us females on the project. And I think four men, if I remember correctly. And so she and I, my friend and I had done what we needed to do and we came prepared and ready to go. And when we got to that meeting, which was on a beautiful Saturday morning when nobody wanted to be working or working on school stuff that we all got together. And I kid you not, Jackie, two of the men did not do what they were supposed to. They hadn't done it. And we like, I want to say the project was due in the next week or two. So at that point, you know, the dynamic was they were sort of, into, you know, hoping that we would take on their work. Of course. <laughs> you will, right. And, I, had to be and, and we, I mean, let's face it, we always do. Yeah. Well, we usually do. Usually do. Yes. But that morning I had enough and I realized I didn't want to take it anymore because it had happened before, you know, and I remember I just put my foot down and I said, absolutely not. This is what you guys committed to doing that we've already done our part and then even some, and no, you need to go back and you need to get this taken care of. We are not going to do this for you, period. And I may have raised my voice a little bit and maybe dropped a couple of expletives and which (laughs) I would never, I wouldn't always advocate. I would probably rarely advocate that really. There are better ways to get that done. But I, I kind of hit that sort of turning point yeah, where I just was done and I wasn't going to take it anymore. And the looks, I remember so clearly the looks on their faces because they didn't expect it. Of course not. Of course not. Oh my God. I mean, these, the, the, the dynamics between men and women and women have always been like, oh, I'll help you out just by nature. You know, that's, we're nurturers. We always come to the aid to help out and when you say, hell no, your responsibility, <laughs> you get it done. I'm not going to help you out here. Good for you. I'm so, so amazed and proud of you because it really takes guts. I mean, sometimes, I mean, I'm all about like being truth talking here, but it, it's cojones. You got it. You know, yeah. like you got yeah. to. Yeah, you have to. And you know what? It, it was even more than that, though, it was also this realization that I had done my homework. Mm-hmm. I had learned my material. I knew what I was talking about. And these were the same individuals, you know, because MBA classes, you know, probably similar to law school, right? It's like they're mostly case study based classes. You go and you read an article, you come prepared with, you know, to be part of a big discussion. It's not like a lecture usually, right? And so these were the same people that more often than not were the biggest talkers in class and the ones that seemed to know everything, I realized they didn't. And so from that point forward, my whole experience changed again because I felt that I was on equal footing and even better footing than a lot of them, you know? And so, yeah. I had never been a keynote speaker. You saw me, I mean, I used to present and I thought I presented okay, but you know, a keynote speaker at some of these conferences with over 10,000 attendees and viewers and 
now, you know, view the viewership is even larger now, you know, as I'm presenting in this kind of like virtual environment. Right. And, uh, but remember, it all goes back to how confident are you? How well prepared are you? And how much you believe in yourself? And like I said earlier, no one loves Nora more than Nora. And can I tell you, it's a type of love where you want to progress you want to help her, you want to grow her, you want to see her succeed, you want to see her shine, you want all these wonderful things for yourself. And really say them out loud if you have to. If you're just like, I'm not one of those people, trust me, neither was I. And furthermore, I was not even a vulnerable person. I probably could have never told you my story three years ago. I would be too embarrassed. You know, this immigrant girl with an alcoholic father, you know, he left the country, he left us, you know, who is she? That's embarrassing. I never want to talk about that. But you know what? It is who I am. And I'm so proud of it because it, you know, I wouldn't be able to carry myself. Yeah. yeah. In this manner, you know, and sometimes it's like, wow, you know, why did I have to go through all that? <laughs> But, you know, as I now tell my kids and they have a different life, they have a different upbringing from me and I have made such a beautiful platform. They're financially very literate, which I was not. My mom, unfortunately, came to America and all she knew to do was to be a workhorse. My children are now financially literate. And I'm building generational wealth as a minority woman for my children, for my generations to come, you know, which I think is a huge conversation that we need to have as women. We need to share, believe it or not, women, we need to share, number one, how much do you make? How much do you want to make? How much would you love to make? You know, negotiate your pay. When you get a job, can I tell you what, Freddie Mac, I negotiated my pay five times. I would not accept the offer until they gave me what I knew I was worth. That's and right. I'll tell you, it Amen. was incredible. Amen. Incredible. Amen. Yeah. Because Amen. Many, many women would be like, oh, okay, I'll just take that. Nope. But in your mind, you're saying I'm worth yeah. more. Speak up. Absolutely. Speak up. Ladies, can I tell you, you are worth your own negotiation. Prepare yourself. Yeah. I went out and saw how much is my competitor male making in my position. And can I tell you, I am so proud to say I negotiated a salary higher than my male counterpart. There you so go. So <laughs> if anything, yeah. go gusto. What can they say? Can they say? Oh, okay, go back and negotiate. Right. Yeah, go back and negotiate some more. So really, you know, prepare yourself, know your worth. If you think, you know what, I'm at this low level position, guys, I started off as a receptionist, any lower than that. I think I even made like $8 an hour. It was like, oh my gosh, it was so bad, you know, but, but again, you know, that girl, I carry her in me. So she's still in there. That $8 an hour girl is in there, you know, and you know, now I get to shine, you know, and really this year when my husband and I were filing our taxes, you know, he gave me a big cut, just huge because he's an executive for a big bank. And he said, I'd like to tell you, you're almost going to beat me this year. I think you are. And I was like, no, this is amazing. This is what I want. You guys, why not? Right. Why not? You know, and you need to have hey, a spouse who doesn't feel emasculated because the woman completely. is completely money. Forget that. You know, be with someone absolutely. who respects you no matter what. No matter what. 
No, absolutely. That's so important. Yeah. You know what? Like I said, who you build around you is really, you know, these are the people that are going to affect you in your highs, your successes, your wins. You know, take a look. Who is cheering for you and who's sitting back and who's silent? Who's not saying you're amazing. You're a badass. You're handling your shit. You know, (laughs) look at those people. And those are the ones that you may not need around. I mean, and, and it's not about, you know, just like exit strategies with everyone. It's really about you focusing in and realizing, you know, I have these or I have any, you know, and these are the ones that are going to help me get to the next level. And that's what you need. You need that community. And, you know, I have built it. It's taken a really long time. And like I said, really nice peaks, but really low valleys and valleys. But I learn from all of, you know, the falls, you know, you fall, but you get right back up. And let me tell you, I have a saying that I say to myself, you will fall nine times, but damn it, you will get up 10 times stronger. I mean, wow. that's how I come back. Let me tell you, oh my God, I come back it. and I scare myself. As if life isn't hard enough already, we sometimes find ourselves battling ourselves in the process too. But how should we stand up to others if we sometimes can't stand up to our own inner doubts and disbeliefs? And it made me scared to take those up to um, sort of take on those opportunities or do those things because it kind of felt like being back in school and being tested a little bit and sort of being in the classroom, which kind of made me cringe a little, but I forced myself to do it Yeah, because I grew every single time, you know? So it's at this comfort again. So anyway, fast forward to moving to beauty when I was ready for a new role, leaving a small food company I joined that just didn't work out. And again, you know, not every career move I worked out, you know, worked out really well. And, and that's okay. I mean, those things happen and you just kind of pick yourself up by the proverbial bootstraps and you keep going, right? And there's, you learn something in every role. Anyway, I had gotten, I had been contacted again by a recruiter and thank God for social media, by the way, LinkedIn, if you know, amigas, if you don't have a LinkedIn profile and you want to build a network, that is the easiest, you know, way to do it. You know, and I, I don't want to say you don't have to try because you do, but yeah, no, of course, <laughs> I mean, massive <laughs> avenue, right? Yeah. Um, so somebody reached out to me and basically, uh, you know, forwarded a job description of a role in a beauty company owned by a large multinational. So it was a fairly recent acquisition it had happened two years before company still fairly small, independently run, still entrepreneurially run up in Beverly Hills with its own offices, its own CEO, its own leadership team, but owned by a massive multinational based out of London, right? Mm -hmm. So when I viewed that opportunity, and believe it or not, that opportunity also came my way via two or three other people in my network, even after I had already accepted an offer from them. You know, it was around the holidays and, and a friend of mine didn't even know that I had accepted an offer and, and sent me a job description. Actually, a friend of mine, former employee of mine, said to me, hey, I'm forwarding this to you, Josie. I just came across this online. This sounds like the perfect job for you. Well, what he didn't know is that I had just literally accepted verbally. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like the universe is just, it's definitely like showing you. It's like, yes, this is for you. Here you go. Well, I mean, what more, what better sign? (laughs) Exactly. But the thing about it that, 
you know, sort of made me really excited about it was the fact that, hey, I knew, I knew what their goal was. The goal was to grow this company, you know, double digits every year and make it profitable, right? And so because of my experiences working with small entrepreneurial companies in the Bay Area and knowing what that environment is and knowing how you have to maneuver and multitask and be flexible, and then also knowing what you want to get to in terms of a more sort of corporate environment once you've grown, because you need to have something more corporate and structural once you get to be a certain size. I knew the from and the to, and so that's why the role was so exciting to me because I thought all these years and all the work I've been doing and all the roles have culminated in this. And so again, the only challenge was that now it was in beauty versus, you know, food and beverage. Right. But I realized again, because the transferable skills were in, you know, over way overshadowed whatever little differences they were, it was a matter of coming on board and learning those things that were new to me as quickly as possible. So that was sort of my focus for the first, you know, six months of the job, learn the beauty industry, talk to people in the beauty industry, grow my network there, right? Help, you know, understand how it may be different than food and beverage and figure that out, right? So that was a big focus of mine right at the beginning. Well, and it's a moment of growth. Like you're learning a new thing and new skills as you're moving away. I mean, moving up the ladder, if you will. Because I mean, even like, I mean, I know from my family, I come from a very entrepreneur family and we're in the food and and service industry. So I know what it takes to do that. And then, and to learn that it's, there's transferable skills to the beauty industry. I'm like, oh, how enticing, how enticing ladies out there. But think about it, Jackie. And how do you figure that out? You talk to people. And again, it's like, you would find that the things you don't know, if you know, someone else may know this, and it may even be someone that you don't know. There are a lot of people that you can just email and ask a question about, you know, either you found them through your alumni network or through mutual friends on LinkedIn or whatever it is. Most people will immediately respond and say, I would be more than happy to chat with you if you just want to explore. People will always help. It's just a matter of asking for that. Asking, asking. And then what I'm hearing from you, it's about asking, about connections, and that there's always people out there willing to help you out. I love that. I love this like whole trilogy. Like you, if you have those three things, you're going to do whatever you want to do, right? Like, you can be anything, literally. Like, I mean, it's not, it's not a lie. You can be anything you want to be, you know, just ask, right? The only thing holding you back is your own state of mind, your own fear, your own, you know, your failure, for example. To me, you know, the, the one thing that I'm so thankful, and again, I would say I got this trait from my father is the ability to take risks. But in my life, it's been calculated risk. My father, I would say in his career was probably, I don't know if he would agree with this. I think he would actually, he was probably a little bit more of a risk taker because my father through his career was mostly entrepreneurial and starting his own companies. I don't have that amount of risk tolerance, for example, but I have had it to the extent where as scary as it has felt at certain times to make a career switch or go to f- for that promotion or move to a different industry, I have still done it. And, you know, if you ask my husband, there's been a couple of times where I've all of a sudden when I've, you know, verbally accepted something or a move or whatever, where I've looked at him and said, oh my God, what am I doing? <laughs> I just did this. Oh my God. You know, and then he helps to settle me down. It's okay. It'll be okay. <laughs> Everything will be fine. And as always, I ask these inspiring amigas for advice 
as to how the rest of us can handle our shit? So first of all, create some goals. I'm extremely goal oriented. And a lot of people for so many years, my mentors would say, you know, what is your one year, your three year and your five year goal? Okay, throw that out the window. No, I don't think so. Okay, because can I tell you the secret to my success is I execute Mm -hmm. one year, three year, five year. No, can I tell you it's we're in the midst of a pandemic. Okay, don't let that hold you back. We have a strong economy. We have, you know, there's a lot going on. But can I tell you, you are strong. You can make anything happen. You know, I was telling Jackie, some of my goals are during this pandemic. So that's even scarier, but I'm making it happen. So set your goals. Where do you want to be? What do you want to do? You want to be the best mom? Perfect. Let's talk about that. You want to have your boss's job? Perfect. What is it going to take? Start writing that out. What does that look like? That's exactly what I do is I write out a goal and I really give myself a roadmap. Okay, Nora, this is what you need to do. You need this license. You need this education. You need the certification. You need to know these type of people. And this is what's going to get you there. And that's really worked out for me. That's one. Number two, again, I'm going to say this a thousand times, love yourself, Mm. believe in yourself, Mm -hmm. execute for yourself, for your family, for whatever is important to you. My why, I shared my why with Jackie not too long ago. And I said, Jackie, my gosh, my why blows me away. You know, and it's my children. You guys, I am so proud. I'm such a proud mother. I was telling Jackie, my daughter started seeing a change in me, you know, and I started taking her to events with me and she traveled with me. And I have a senior, a 17 year old daughter who just turned 17 and she's tiny little petite thing. And she's graduating high school early. And she's already been attending college for an entire year. So please, you know, love yourself enough to impact others. Love yourself. Grab the other women, drag them along like me and Jackie and our circle of friends have. You know, it's so rewarding to be a friend that impacts another friend. It's so rewarding to impact your family, your children, yourself. Impact yourself. Love yourself enough to impact yourself. Be your own hero. And I feel that I am, you know, and I hope my children think I'm their hero too. But (laughs) outside of that, those are the two. I bet they do, Nora, because you radiate, you radiate and your energy, everything and everything that you do, you give 1000%. And that's the thing, amigas, we need to give 1000% every day, every minute of our lives. When we're tired, you know what, that's when you got to do it even more. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah. When you have problems, when you have naysayers, let me tell you, you don't have to prove them wrong. Prove yourself right. You know, that's the first thing I do. I mean, you know, it, it's sad to see other people or other women, you know, kind of like pull you down or want to kind of say like, what do you, you know, remember in my career, people would be like, what are you thinking? Like, why would you think that? Why do you think you can do that? And I was like, wow, you know, I can assure you. And Jackie and I just talked about this story. There's people who are reaching out to me now and they're like, oh, you're so amazing. You're so wonderful. Remember me. And I'm like, wow, you know, you were one of my naysayers. I don't tell them that, but of course, you know, you know, and it's pretty amazing to know, wow, look how far I've come. And I did reach that goal. As a matter of fact, I've surpassed it probably seven years ago. So believe in yourself, 
because of this pandemic, don't let that hold you back. Make oh. it happen, happen even more. Look forward to 2021 and say, I made 2020 the worst year in history in America. Yeah. I made something of myself. I changed. And, you know, that's all it's about. Amen to this. Oh, my God. I love you so much. And amigas out there, you know what? Oh. Remember this. Remember what Nora was saying, that she carries her stapler with her to remind her where she came from. So don't forget that part because we have to be reminded of where we came from because that's when you start celebrating all the blessings, everything that is coming your way. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'd love to. So the first one is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And, you know, take your risks, as I was saying. I mean, it's important. It is super important to take risks in life. And as we were saying earlier, you know, you can be anything you want to be. And, and, you know, I think if, if you're willing to kind of talk to other people, talk to your network, look around you, you know, there are people that bring so much to the table and, you know, they will help you along, but you know, no one's going to know what your aspirations are unless you talk to people about them. And you take those risks and you experiment, you know, experiment a little, even if you fail, it's not the end of the world. You know, you fail, maybe, you know, even if you fail multiple times, as long as you're not failing at the same thing over and over again, because that's kind of an exercise in futility, but you know, don't be afraid to fail. I've learned something every single time I've failed and I have failed a few times. Um, and then the other thing I would say is, you know, there are a lot of times where you're presented with a problem, an issue that you've never had to face or confront before. And, you know, I know when I've had those moments and I've had a handful of them, it's been, I would say two or three times where I have stopped and thought, oh my God, how am I possibly going to fix this one or work on this one? You know, how can I make this one better? I don't even know how I'm going to do it. I feel at, at times it's feels like it's impossible. What I would say is never give up. You know, I recently read an article about the trait that, you know, one of those traits that makes people really, really successful is the ability to look at a problem from every different aspect and to never to be relentless in trying to figure out how to fix that problem, to look at it from every angle, to keep thinking about it. And it may sound exhausting, <laughs> but, and it's happened to me a few times, you know, where you keep looking at it, you keep looking at it, you think about different ways, you put it away, put it in the back of your head for a while, or put it away on your desk, don't think about it for a while, come back to it. Or even like in my case, what's helped too is, you know, I'll go out for a run or I'll walk the dog. And as I'm getting, you know, the adrenaline going and thinking about things, all of a sudden an idea will pop into my head. And I'm like, there's the solution. That's what it is. And believe it or not, sometimes you realize that solution was right in front of you. And because you were maybe so close to the problem, you know, you didn't really see it, but eventually it comes. So I think having that persistence to figure some big issue out and never let it go, that's big too. So huge, huge. Be relentless, amigas. You heard it. Be relentless. And when you get stuck, change your state. Go out for a walk. Go run. Do something different. Take, you know, pivot or change or change the trajectory and refocus and come back and be relentless. Oh, I love that. 
I love that. Especially right now where, you know, a lot of us are at home, even go for a drive. I, you know, it's so funny. In normal times, I would never say, get in your car and go for a drive around LA. That, that That's probably not good <laughs> advice. But right now, it's actually not bad advice. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. It is not bad advice at all. Just definitely go out there and change your state in some way, some capacity, because if you are confronted with a problem or issue, you really have to change that state of mind. And one of the things to break the pattern is changing the state. So thank you for that, Josie. Oh my God, you're amazing. Thanks for joining me for some flashbacks from the vault. I hope you feel more inspired to face your challenges, face yourself, and become the badass, take no prisoners, amiga, you were destined to become. Happy holidays, amigas. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Amiga Handle Your Shit Podcast. If anything resonates with you today, please share it with your friends and subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to share it on Instagram, Facebook, and other social media platforms. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at www.amigahandleyourshit.com. Thank you so much for listening. Gracias y hasta la próxima.